Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. Mm. Uh, this episode, we are actually not drinking wine. We're not. We are drinking... Bloody Marys. What are we drinking? Bloody Marys. Because mm. the topic of this week's episode is... Blood, blood spatter. spatter. <laughs> I thought we were all going to say it at once. Oh, no. no. Blood spatter. <laughs> Everybody hands in. Blood spatter on three. One, two, three. Blood spatter. Blood spatter. No. Kenyon, come on. Mm. Sorry, guys. I, ca- I can't. She didn't do team limits. sports growing up. I did not. No. 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 Neither did either of you. Oh, you swam, I guess. And I played Lucy soccer didn't. for like a day. <laughs> Lucy Kenya and I, I middle pret- school track. We pretended to do track for the sweatshirts, and then we mm-hmm. pretended to have our periods like every single day. Wow, you two bet, need to go to the I doctor. The Why track do you always coaches, have your Exactly. They were worried. They were concerned. And we were in like sixth grade. We did not yeah. even know the symptoms. Oh my god. No. We were like, I need to go run around the school and eat candy bars in my branded track sweatshirt right now. Mm-hmm. Thanks. <laughs> oh. But this is a temporary departure. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's talk about Bloody Marys then. Let's do it. Take it away. So the origin of the Bloody Mary is a little bit unclear, and there are multiple conflicting claims of who invented the Bloody Mary. But uh, it was Mary. Okay. It was Mary. <laughs> she was on her period, okay. and she needed a cocktail. The end. I don't see why there's any debate. Mm-hmm. But one thing <laughs> I can definitely on. say for sure is that everyone who claims to have invented this drink has an insane name that I cannot pronounce. So get ready. Love <laughs> it. Let's start with Fernand Petiot. Petio. Ooh, that can't be right. <laughs> sure. I think it's 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 French. So Kenyon, take it away. Nailed it. He claimed uh, to have enough. invented the Bloody Mary in 1921, which was well before any of the later claims. He was like the original hipster of Bloody Marys. He was doing it before it was cool. Um, mm-hmm. He was working at the New York Bar in Paris at the time, which okay. later became Harry's New York Bar and was a frequent Paris hangout for Ernest. Hemingway, and other American expats, which is kind of cool. Super cool. Other reports claim that the Bloody Mary was invented in the Hemingway bar at the Ritz, Paris. So there's two conflicting Mm. Parisian origin stories. And then we have another one that says um, it was invented at New York's 21 Club. There are two claims associated with the 21 Club. One is that it was invented in the 1930s by a bartender named, here we go, Henry <laughs> Zbikwitz, Z B I K I E W I C Z. So thanks for that. This is my third bloody. <laughs> um, another claim uh, for this bar attributes its invention to the comedian George Jessel, who frequented the Twenty One <laughs> Club. 
1939, Lucius Beebe printed in his gossip column, This New York, one of the earliest U.S. references to this drink, along with the original recipe, and I have a quote here. George Jessel's newest pick-me-up, which is receiving attention from the town's paragraphers, is called a Bloody what? Mary, half tomato juice, half vodka. I assume when he says I paragraphers, like he means like people who write gossip columns. That'd be my guess. I like okay. that. I like it too. And I just read that as like in my mind as like New York's first gay man in 1939, yeah. Lucius <laughs> Beebe. Lucius BB was definitely, definitely. gay. <laughs> New York's hottest new club <laughs> is Lucius Beebe. Um, either way, I don't give a fuck where it originally uh, where it originated, but here is how I like my bloodies. I just go ahead and buy the mix because I'm fucking lazy. I like to get Mr. and Mrs. T's Bloody Mix. It's the spicy one. And you can get it Ooh, at yeah. Lund's, and it's really fucking good. Um, I like to put a splash of my favorite local hot sauce, Crybaby Craig's, in there. It's like a habanero hot sauce. And then yeah. I like to put pickles in there, and I find that it is key to put some of the pickle juice from the jar in the yep. glass. Yep. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yep. Yep. And today, it is essential. Fucking totally essential. And for this bloody, I got a little fancy. I garnished with pickles and celery, but then I did a curry powder and smoked sea salt rim because treat yourself. Mm, yeah. Yeah. What about y'all? Um, I am not picky about Bloody Mary mix, um, like different types, because I hardly ever make them for myself. Mm -hmm. I tend to just identify people in my life that are really good at making them mm -hmm. and then I'm in the right place at the right time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, one of my favorite brunch spots does a Bloody Mary that's delicious mm -hmm. and they do like a um, burnt pineapple garnish. Mm, yum. Oh, yum. Which is really spectacular. Ooh, like, like sweet a, and savory a, balance. Like a yes. seared pineapple wedge. Mm. Yes, a huge seared mm. pineapple wedge, along with celery and all the other good stuff. Yum. Um, and it is just out of this world. So mm. That sounds so good, and I'm going to do that from now on. Yep. How do you go. take yours, Lou? Um, so I prefer Zing Zang Bloody Mary Mix. Mm. It's real good. And I doctor it up with some pickle juice mm -hmm. and a pickle spear, mostly just for decoration. Oh, Because so I really good. only eat pickles with french fries the best thing about a bloody mary <laughs> is that it has snacks in it i'm literally eating my pickle yeah. right now i love snacks so okay so cheers oh, good crunch no cheers, pop. ladies no pop. Sweet, but a good i'm not crunch. done oh sorry oh. i'm so sorry i also put worcestershire sauce in there worcestershire and some celery salt, and mm. my favorite hot sauce is local around here, Lola's Ghost Pepper Hot Sauce. Ooh, yummy. A couple mm. drops will do ya, but mm -hmm. I like mine real spicy. Yeah. And some extra pepper. Yeah, that's queen. And oh, I put my, extra pepper in mine, too. And my favorite Bloody Marys come with, you know, a cheeseburger skewered on top. Yeah. Like at Sobelman's oh, yeah. in mm -hmm. Wisconsin. Shout mm -hmm. out. The um, one good thing like, Wisconsin does. <laughs> But, like, cheese cubes and pepperoni and shit like that mm -hmm. all over it. All you would love it. the Bloody Mary bar at Hell's Kitchen in downtown Minneapolis. You can put mm. the craziest shit. You can put, like, an entire buffet of shit on there. And as long as it won't fall off, you can keep it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that they had to make rules. Yeah. 
pretty much. Yeah. Lucy, do you want to... What? What? We're talking. What? (laughs) Do you want to give us some background on blood spatter analysis? Mm -hmm. I definitely do because I got really into researching this last night. Well, Lucy picked this topic, so this is like Lucy's time to shine. I insisted yep. upon this topic mm-hmm. yep. s- several times, mm-hmm. and it took until the fourth try to actually <laughs> convince yep. you guys to go with it. Episode so. 10. Lucky mm-hmm. number 10. Politely overruled you as long as we could. <laughs> yeah. This is fourth grade all over again. Mm. I love it. <laughs> okay, so there's a wonderful website that I got almost all of my information from, from called ForensicScienceSimplified.org. Oh, so if we you're need curious to start about using this that. kind of stuff, yeah. it's a wealth of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Okay, so I'm going to be talking largely about bloodstain patterns in general mm-hmm. because there are different types and only one of which is spatter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, not to be confused with splatter. Very and different. It annoys Ugh. the piss out of me. Annoys the blood out of me when oh. people say blood splatter. Yeah, like, it's wrong. oh yeah, it's wrong. No, if you say blood splatter, you turn this off. You don't get to hear this. You probably also wear socks with your sandals. So bye bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry, my bloody Marys is so good. Okay. <laughs> So bloodstain patterns in general can vary widely. We've all seen CSI. We've mm-hmm. all seen mm-hmm. staged blood stains. Mm-hmm. So ma- you can go from massive amounts of blood from violent hemorrhaging, trails, sprays, spurts, gushes, pools, seepage, and even microscopic specks that you can't see with the naked eye. Oh, so, okay. Are you an English major by chance? Uh, weird. Because um, that was... <laughs> as a matter of fact, I was. <laughs> <laughs> so there are three main types of blood stains, and this is how they break it out in the field of blood blood stain pattern analysis, aka BPA. Okay. So the three main types are transfer stains, which uh, happen when you come into contact with an ex- with existing blood, and you leave swipes or patterns like. A bloody shoe print would be an example of a transfer stain. Okay. Or like okay. a smear from a body being dragged. Oh, yeah. That's a that good one. That is a okay. transfer stain. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good one. <laughs> I love good body one. dragging smears. They always look cool. <laughs> they do. They really do. Uh, it reminds me of finger painting picture? as a child. Oh, have what? you seen that picture of the Zamboni being... Like, oh. moved across the ice, and it's, like, oh. leaking uh, oil, and it just looks like, oh. a, it looks like a massacre I on ice. No. That. Is the oil red? Yeah, it's kind of, like, a brown red. It can get, oh like, black coppery looking. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's Check fucking hilarious. We'll find that. Uh, we'll put that on the blog. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, the second example is passive stains, which uh, are they occur when it's only gravity being affected, so mm-hmm. like drops of blood. Sure. Um, okay. Also flows if it's like downhill um, and pooling. Mm. So mm. when gravity is involved exclusively, it's a passive stain. Definitely and watch some is- forensic files where they talk about the gravity of like the drop of blood showing where the murderer 
was standing at the time yeah. and things like that. Oh, like, that shit's so girl. cool. We haven't <laughs> even gotten into it. Ooh, yeah, I'm so she's excited. This is how... I, I had goosebumps last night. I was so fucking into this. I sat it's in the bathtub a little weird. and Googled blood, and it was awesome. You also shouldn't be using electronics in the bathtub. Just my phone. Yeah. It's fine. Just my phone. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so here's the good stuff. Impact stains, mm. which are what we are also known as spatter. So okay. blood, blood being projected through the air, um, gushes, splashes, and spurts, mm. and also spatters. <laughs> Yum. That should have been the name of our podcast. Gushes, gushes splashes, and spurts. But those are different from... Spatter. Okay, so I said spatters, <laughs> gushes, splashes, and spurts. <laughs> Say that five like times a, fast. sounds like a Disney song. She sells seashells <laughs> by the seashore. Exactly. <laughs> it's got a nice rhythm. <laughs> Belle is just sweeping across a library on a ladder. Spatters and like... gushes and splashes and spurts. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh Gunshots and wrenches and hammers and shovels. That is literally the second time in the life of this podcast that we've rewritten the Sound of Music song to murder themed. A few yes, of my favorite things is always applicable to being rewritten to be about murder. Uh-huh. It works every time. This is definitely a sign that we need to like iron out. A mm-hmm. full, like three and a half minute version of yep. that song with our own lyrics. Oh, we're any recording suggestions? That. Please tweet, Facebook, Insta us, <laughs> send us an email. We want your lyrics mm-hmm. for oh these are God. a few of my favorite things with mm-hmm. murder. And we will record yep. a terrible, terrible <laughs> song with like a karaoke MIDI <laughs> tune track in the background. And it, <laughs> if you give us fifty dollars a month on Patreon, it will be yours. <laughs> <laughs> we can't keep that thing under wraps. That's or gotta be free. Martin Screlly will buy it for yeah. an undisclosed amount and not share it with anyone. <laughs> that son of a bitch. Okay, okay. Spatters and spurts. Let's All go. right, let's let's uh, open the floodgates, okay. shall we? For the spatter, oh, the floodgates. So let's. There are a few different types of spatter. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have gunshot spatter, and, well, these aren't the only types of spatter, but they're, like, some good ones. Okay. Okay. So, gunshot spatter, you have both forward spatter from the exit wound. So bear with me, this gets a little complicated. Oh, God, The okay. forward okay. spatter comes from the exit wound, and back splatter comes from the entrance wound. Okay. So if you I imagine someone that. getting shot in the forehead, mm-hmm. you have Forward splatter coming out of the back of their head, assuming the bullet exits, and then you have, which is like a fine mist, Mm -hmm. and those droplets are spread out over a wide area, Mm -hmm. versus Mm -hmm. the back spatter from the entrance wound, which will be fewer, larger droplets kind of confined to that area. Okay. Got it. So this varies depending on the caliber of the gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, where where on the body the bullet struck. So mm-hmm. obviously gain, getting shot in the stomach versus getting shot in the forehead right. would have different effects. Uh, whether the bullet exited the body, mm-hmm. um, the distance between the victim and the gun, 
Okay. And also, and I didn't think about this, the distance between the victim and surrounding surfaces where the spatter ends up. Oh, yeah. So these are okay. all taken into account. Mm-hmm. So, like, if they're, like, backed against a wall, then the fine mist will be Won't, won't be very so fine. Different. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> the blood's not traveling very far. It's just kind of blasting out the back. Right. right. Okay. Right. Mm, gross. Um, right. So then we have cast-off cast off spatter, which is caused by a bloodied object swinging in an arc. Ooh. So, f- like, Ooh. flinging blood onto nearby surfaces. And this okay. an- analysts can use this type of spatter to tell what the the direction of the motion. Oh, okay. And also they can count the arcs that were made so they can count how many blows were delivered. So if someone like that takes an axe bonkers. to somebody after they mm-hmm. first dive in the axe and the axe blade is covered in blood when they like recoil to do it again, that's they're following that arch. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so the first arc <laughs> is inherently the second blow. Okay. Correct. Yep. Exactly. Cool. Um, okay. Oh, these just get better. I am oh just. I haven't read my. I haven't read my notes since last night when I was so excited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm just rereading them, like getting oh, all jazzed again. You are Twitter pated <laughs> right now. I am Twitter pated. Um, arterial spray, which is oh, the spurt oh. of blood <sighs> when a major artery is severed. So mm-hmm. we've all seen that, but it's a very real thing. Okay. And oh, God. super disturbing. Ugh. Um. So the blood is propelled out of the body by the pumping of the heart oh, in yeah. arcing patterns. So this is like a lot of blood with a lot of force. Yeah. Because your heart is super, it's a super strong muscle. So say your carotid artery gets caught or gets cut in your neck. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. just that whole, that whole mofo is just wide open and it's close to your heart. Uh-huh. And your heart also takes more energy, you know, it has more force to put blood upwards Mm -hmm. so it is just shooting out of there and in spurts yeah not a constant flow like as your heartbeat goes like corresponding with your heartbeat yep and sound effects (laughs) yep thank you (laughs) (laughs) so i thought it was also interesting that a new pattern a new arc forms with each pump of the heart because it's getting weaker and weaker. So, like, the first one is like, whoa, and then it just kind of, you know, it dies down from there, literally. That's sad. Moving on to expirated spatter, which is also super fun. So this is caused by blood from an internal (laughs) injury. (laughs) Super fun. I'm sorry, I just started picturing supercalifragilisticexpirated spatter. Yep. <laughs> We're gonna have a lot of fun. We could do so many songs mm-hmm. with these, and will over release the course an of album. the next hour. We got to figure out how to get John Mellencamp involved in this project. <laughs> the Cougs. The Cougs. Cougs. Well, we can't help it that our content is just whimsical. So musical. <laughs> it just begs to be turned into a musical. <laughs> Wine and crime. The opera. Expirated spatter is caused by blood from an internal injury mixing with the air being expelled through the lungs. So, like, if you were if you were shot in the in the chest, then Mm -hmm. you would be exhaling blood droplets. Okay. Oh, weird. Or coughing Um, blood. Yeah. 
this tends to be a very fine mist, natch. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> investigators can tell this kind of spatter because there's often small air bubbles within the drops of blood itself. Oh, okay. okay. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then there's also the type of blood that maybe has been attempted to be cleaned up or it's too small to be seen with the naked eye and that's when investigators implement luminol, Mm -hmm. which if you don't know what luminol is, uh, it's a substance that reacts with hemoglobin, which is present in blood, Mm -hmm. and it glows like bright blue. So if you've seen literally any episode of Forensic Files, you know what that is. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. I want to get my hands on luminol just for funsies. Yeah, can you get luminol over the counter? Oh, (laughs) imagine bringing it to like a hotel room. Girl. Oh my God. Does it pick up semen also, or is that just a black light? Let's. I think that's just a black light. Can we please have a staycation this summer where we spend one night in a hotel room? (laughs) Bring a black light and a bunch of luminol and just record our findings. Yep. I don't know if yep. I want to stay there at all. We won't. Could you rent? No, we'd... Let's go to an hourly hotel room. No, where oh, we're that's sure where to find the more good stuff, <laughs> so more much. blood, more semen, and we only have to be there for as long as we can stand it. All right, I'll look into yeah. it. Might good have to go plan. to Wisconsin for that, though. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit about the science of blood itself, which I think is interesting. It has a fair amount of surface tension. So when it's dropped from straight above and it's uh, it's dropped onto a t- totally flat surface like a piece of glass, it will remain almost perfectly circular, hmm. like spherical. Mm-hmm. Okay. But mm-hmm. if it if it is coming from an angle or if it has any kind of like if it's propelled from something, it'll have a different shape obviously. If it lands on let's say uh, cement, mm-hmm. it'll have a different shape. Um so some terms for that is a satellite spatter, Ooh. if there's, like, other droplets around it, or a scalloped edge, if it's if the edges are scalloped. Um, but normally, the blood droplet will retain the smallest possible shape because of the surface tension. Okay. Oh. That makes sense. And, okay. Science. And blood, blood contains both liquid, as in your plasma, and solids, as in, like, your blood cells and the proteins and whatever. So Hmm. it is obviously a liquid when it's inside your body and immediately when it comes out of your body, but after time, as blood tends to do, it begins to clot. Yep. And it becomes more like a gel-like substance. Anyone who's ever had a period knows that to be true. Right. (laughs) Well, that's actually your uterine lining. Well. Right. It's a little bit different. Yeah. (laughs) Still gooey, though. (laughs) Um... I have a fun little You're anecdote for male listeners. <laughs> Both of you. <laughs> um, I have a fun little anecdote. One of my dad's friends worked on a, in a slaughterhouse. Mm. And a piggy palace. He, his job. <laughs> so he worked in the in the room where they slit the pigs' throats. Oh, great! And let them bleed out, and oh then God. you know they're like on a conveyor belt or whatever. And great. his job was to stand on the floor, and if um, something happened, like, the the drain got clogged somehow that's, oh. like, on the floor, then he would have to come and, like, unclog it. But if, if it filled up with blood too much and if it sat for too long, it it would turn into, like, jello, and they'd have to come with a oh. stick and cut it into a grid oh. and then, like, mm. remove the jello cubes, basically. 
oh, to yeah. get them out of there. That is... And those are like a delicacy somewhere. Stop. No. Like Wisconsin. <laughs> what, probably Wisconsin. <laughs> it's a Bloody Mary garnish at Soul Bowman's. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. We're going to get sued. I'm just kidding. I really like Soul Bowman's. Okay. Free advertising. We're fine. <laughs> so much vodka. Okay. Continue. Um... <laughs> okay, so some kind of information that investigators can gather from the blood present at the crime scene mm-hmm. is the amount. Did they bleed to death? That mm-hmm. should be kind of apparent. Um, mm. Tracks, if there was a chase or an altercation. Location helps them out a lot, whether it was in a bath, like if it's in a bathroom, then it could be some biological, natural occurrence, like a miscarriage. Oh, yeah. Mm. Or those are real... Uh, a woman bloody. had a miscarriage in the bathroom at a restaurant where I used to work. What? It was Did a you rough have to clean? Night. No, you have to call crime scene. No, we, we had to call. It was pretty contained in the toilet, but we still had to call like Minneapolis three one one and let them know what happened and see if we had to get people out there to clean it. And they sent a team out. Yeah, yeah, because you can't be expected to clean up a stranger's blood. Yep. So the bathroom well, is out of order for the rest of the night. There's oh like my God, that's so HIV, sad and awful. you know, there's viral concerns when it comes to, it's a biohazard. Sure. Um, if there are overlapping stains or maybe multiple DNA, uh, you know, if they can tell that there were two or more people at the scene, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. they could, then they'd have a pretty good idea. If there's only one victim, but there's two types of blood, then they're like, oh, we have a pretty good idea of who the perpetrator was. Okay. Right. Uh, what physical state the blood was in, obviously, if it's fresh, it's liquid, or if it's not, how recent the bloodshed was. Jello, jello and cubes. It's also, it's also important to know whether there were first responders on the site, because if an ambulance, you know, if or if someone, anyone just came to help, yeah. they're not going to preserve the crime scene. No, You're they're not. You're slipping all no. over on that shit. Have you seen an operating room or like a, yeah. you know, like a surgical ER room after something like that. There's blood everywhere, and it's real slippery. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, Okay. Another fun term is void patterns. If there was an object in the way of the stain. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh. Like if there was a... Like a stencil. Yeah, like a stencil. (laughs) There's probably some good ones. A floral stencil for your baseboards. They could, like, if there was a perfect outline of a hammer from the blood... (laughs) Then they'd know that the hammer is gone. From beating your cheating husband to hammer. death in <laughs> Little Whinging, England. Mm-hmm. Wherever the fuck you that's were. When, that's when you know you're just like, well, I should turn myself in. There's if you're, literally if your a blood crime scene has, a, has an outline of the murder weapon. Kind like, giving it away. Give it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Turn yourself in. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. only a matter of time. Um, okay, so BPA, an actual phrase, it was first studied in 1895 by a scientist. I didn't write down his name. It didn't seem important anymore. Oh, so than the, how he started researching this was by having a room and covering the corner of the room with sheets and then beating rabbits to death. What? To oh, study fun. in different ways, to study how the blood like went on the sheets you know Ooh, no okay yeah. they didn't Stick like with pigs in the 19th century i guess not okay Mm-mm. um so when there is a 
when there's a crime and that people need to come in and study the blood patterns, they are first extensively photographed and usually with a ruler or something to show the scale of yeah. the mm. blood stains. Uh-huh. And kind of like the dick pics I used to get. <laughs> Have you ever gotten one with a ruler? I haven't gotten one with a ruler. I've gotten one with a quarter, which, like, give yourself a little more credit than that. Right. A quarter? A quarter Basically on the tip. Basically, at that point, you're, you're oh like, just... Uh, with, what? with the anecdote, or with the, like, comment, quarter for scale. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag post it. Hashtag don't let Dan have a quarter. (laughs) Okay, anyway, so crime scenes are both photographed and sketched, Mm -hmm. which I thought was kind of interesting. And I think the purpose of that is just so, like, it's just another perspective of the crime scene. Like, if maybe the sketch artist was like, oh, that's kind of fishy that that ended up here. For sure. I don't know. And also just further documentation. Mm Mm-hmm. So samples are often cut out of the material stained. Like, they'll take an entire section of drywall out of the house. Okay. Or, like, the carpet or, obviously, like, sheets and clothing and things like that. Yep. And the samples are uh, dried and then preserved as soon as possible to avoid further contamination. Okay. So, I've always wondered about that. Like, if someone comes in and... Like, a crime is committed in your house, and let's say you're completely innocent. I sound really suspicious right Why now. Why are you uh, giggling? Asking for a friend. <laughs> if. But, but then Don't they, ask then they, Aloysius this question. <laughs> but, then they, but then they take out your carpet and, like, half your wall. Do you ever get compensated for that? Do you ever get... I mean, because that's expensive to repair, right? I, that's a good question. That might be I something doubt. that insurance would help you with if a crime's committed in your home. Okay. I, I would. Okay. I, you'd have to look into it, but I would assume that homeowners insurance would probably assist you with something like that. Yeah, because like the go. I mean, the cops wouldn't pay for it. Yeah, the the state no. is not going to reimburse you, but I think your insurance company would probably help you with those repairs. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to need to look into my riders. Yeah. <laughs> Let's call American Family and see what they offer for when someone is inevitably murdered in one of our houses. Not by Yet us. another good reason to never have carpet yeah. in your Seriously, home. hardwood is, or tile all the way. Is yeah. Nationwide always on your side? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, okay, so both dried and wet blood are often swabbed for DNA analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after, yeah, after they're collected, they're dried and packaged. And I thought this was interesting. Large amounts of blood, like pools, are harder to investigate than smaller, well-defined really? patterns. I heard about this from, uh, I haven't watched it yet, so it's all my, what I've heard secondhand, but that, um crime miniseries documentary The Staircase. Oh yep. my god, I have not seen that yet. I haven't have seen you? anything. I haven't seen it either. No, but I haven't watched it. I was talking about researching this topic and somebody said you should. we should look into it just because yeah. this was one of those circumstances where the crime scene was so saturated with blood, apparently, again I haven't watched it, that evidence in terms of like blood spatter evidence was very hard 
to collect. Almost impossible. There's this theory that maybe an owl attacked her, but then <laughs> <Okay>. also... <laughs> Yeah, Not it's amazing. What happened. Mm-hmm. It's oh amazing God. that theory. But then also his first wife died by falling down the stairs mm. mysteriously. Very and then this was suspicious. his second wife. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So anyway, it's a we'll probably do an episode on it. It's a really interesting case, mm-hmm. but anyway. All right, so everyone go download that freed Sundance channel trial so we can watch <laughs> For it. For real, seriously. <laughs> okay. So when there is a BPA investigation, mm-hmm. there is first the pattern analysis, which is on site with the photographer and the sketching and the cutting out of the drywall and whatever and the packaging. Mm-hmm. And then also later there's the reconstruction phase, which interprets the context in which the stains were found. Okay. So investigators generally shouldn't at least leap to conclusions while they're on the scene. Hmm. They're just taking down the facts. They're this recording everything. very well into my uh, crime. <laughs> this exact moment. And then it's later on when they're reconstructing. Reconstructing is when they're figuring out what the content, what the actual scenario would have been. Sure. Um, okay, so here's the part we've all been waiting for. Mm-hmm. There is <laughs> so much... Okay. I was reading how investigators recreate the scene. Let's just say it's a baseball bat, Mm -hmm. you know, hitting someone in the head, and there's this crazy blood splatter behind them on the wall. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They track and analyze every single blood droplet. Wow. And then they figure out that how the angles are related to each other and which direction they're coming in from to determine the area of convergence, which is where the blood starts, Mm -hmm. like where the person was standing who got bludgeoned, and then Mm. the origin, which is the estimation of where the victim and the perpetrator were standing in relation to each other when the bloodshed occurred, and also the height of the incident. Mm. Okay. So the Mm. height matters. Um, If the person was lying on the ground Uh or standing up straight or on their knees even... Yeah. Um, so the investigators, and there's a video, we have to put it on the blog. It's only a minute long, but it shows how they use a ruler, they, they draw their lines, and then they tape string from the certain Wait. points on the blood spatter and recreate a three-dimensional model of the blood droplets hitting the wall from one from the point what? of convergence. Oh, wow. I, I just assumed when you were talking about it that it's a computer program, that they, like, take photos and then the computer, you know, does its calculations. They're fucking Doing in it there by using hand. string. Yeah, well, that's actually funny that you say a computer program because there is a computer program that does basically the same thing, and it's called Hemospat. <laughs> I love that Incredible. so much. Incredible. I know. I know. So they use a string and also a protractor to build this 3D model. So it's it's just 100% math, and Mm -hmm. it's it's mostly physics and trigonometry. Mm -hmm. And we would suck so much at that job. (laughs) To be quite honest with you, if they would have introduced (laughs) this concept in a trigonometry class in high school, I would have been at attention. Yeah. Well, I did. Yes. I was in integrated math, so this Same was these. never an option. <laughs> it didn't even come up. I could not tell you what trig even is. Mm. 
I. It, it's like triangles and shit. Yeah, it's angles. Is it? And crap. Isn't that geometry, though? <laughs> I don't get They're it. They're associated <laughs> somehow, because math. Okay. All but, right. Oh, my God. It is, it's crazy. There's videos. Mm. Um, so... And then, as we were talking about pigs earlier, if reproductions are <laughs> necessary, then investigators often use aged pig's blood. Oof. So, it, it can be up to two weeks old because that is the age of the pig's blood that most accurately represents the viscosity and the chemical makeup of fresh human blood. Oh, cool. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, their blood is like thinner, thinner yeah. than our or blood. Or less viscous, I anyway. Yes. Which also sort of doesn't back up that anecdote I told you earlier about the blood congealing. So maybe I have some of those facts wrong. But I don't know. Ah, stand I by do. it. Yeah. Stand by your blood. I don't know if that's true. Well, I'm suspicious of even my own memories. Nah. So. <laughs> You're an expert. So lots of different people perform these BPA investigations. Mm-hmm. It's the cops who first arrive on the scene. Mm-hmm. It's forensic experts who come and look at what's going on. It's the photographers who take the photos. It's the lab staff who, um, you know, generate the results of all their DNA testing, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then if there are very few trained people in a certain jurisdiction, if you're, like, in the middle of nowhere and there's nowhere in that county, there's no one in that county who's trained to do this, then they'll bring in mm. consultants. Yeah. So there are okay. people who do this professionally and who travel around doing this. So your dream job. It's <laughs> basically my dream job. hmm <laughs> um, it's common for these types of, of like professional investigators to have a degree in math or other sciences like biology, chemistry, physics, etc. to corroborate findings related to the pathology and the t- toxicology mm. related to the investigation. Mm. So obviously nothing is ever black and white ever. Yeah. There's always going to be overlap of even physics and toxicology, for example. Okay. So these yeah. these people have backgrounds in lots of different scientific disciplines of all kinds, mm-hmm. and it's also I mean most most people who are in this area um, have continuing education. So they go to conferences and they take classes and workshops, and it's all yeah. it, it's getting better and better, and they're learning more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this was disturbing to me as an English major. Okay. <laughs> Uh-oh. The most disturbing part of my entire research. <laughs> the FBI has a group with the acronym SWIGSTAIN, mm. which is... <laughs> but it... Oh. Ale- okay, so bear with me. So it's S-W-G-S-T-A-I-N, so SWIGSTAIN, but it yep. allegedly stands for the Scientific Working Group on Bloodstain Pattern Analysis. So they just... Cut out BPA and just called that stain. It doesn't fucking match up. The swig part does, but my main beef is with people making acronyms for their groups that don't line up with what things are spelled. Yeah, that's not an acronym. That's half of an acronym and then a shortened nickname. Inexplicably capitalized word. Right. Too many many liberties have been taken and I take umbrage. Fuck that. For the record, Umbridge is a character in the fifth Harry Potter. Oh, Jesus. Oh, I had to come up sometime. Okay. Drink. 
That's your one Harry Potter mention for this episode. Says you. I actually started listening as I was doing my research mm-hmm. for this because I wanted I wanted a podcast that wasn't about true crime, right. which is super out of my wheelhouse. So I started listening to the Harry Potter and the mm. Sacred Text mm. podcast. Do you listen to that? I haven't yet. It's on my list. Is it an okay. audio book or is it a no, podcast? No, it's a podcast. No, it's a podcast. And it's apparently yeah. amazing. It's, it was pretty interesting. Oh. Anyway. Kenyon, did you read all the Harry Potter books? No. No, I stopped at four. Wow. I think yes. I've read number four like three times and then haven't read the rest. So weird. I read the first four and stopped. Yeah, you do make me yeah. sick. I get it. Okay. It's not that interesting to me. <laughs> there are a lot of better books out there. Okay, Wuthering Heights. Let's move on. <laughs> Wuthering Heights blows. I hate that book. <laughs> Anyway. Jane, Jane Eyre is awesome, though. Just saying. I don't like Jane Eyre either. She's a dumb bitch. Why'd she stay with Rochester? I will never know. <laughs> He's got a big dick. He sent her a picture with his dick next to a corner. And, and she, she was like, what she saw. It's huge. And she's like, I don't even care that you're a fucking burn victim. Oh, God. You got a dick that's bigger than a quarter. Okay. I'm cool. <laughs> Whatever. It's okay. not his fault his wife went crazy. All right, go on. It could be, though. And on this episode of Wine and Crime, we'll analyze Wuthering Heights and Jane Eyre for the next four and a half hours. (laughs) I maintain that he's a psychopath. Okay, anyway. So this Swigstain group is just a group of investigators who know a lot of topics about things. Like, I just, like, gathered all of these topics that these people need to be knowledgeable about. Mm -hmm. So it includes... Surface tension, velocity, viscosity, gravity, air resistance, animal activity, kinetic energy, <clears throat> wave cast-off, drop formation, etc. Wow. Wow. They're just really smart people. Mm-hmm. They're basically, yeah. like, physicist cops. Wow. That's um, cool. And then I have a couple fun facts for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so your blood in your body accounts for about 8% of your body weight. Okay. So next time you weigh yourself and you're feeling bad, you're like, well, Subtract that much is just eight my pounds. blood. 8%. Mm-hmm. Got it. 8%. 8 pounds. <laughs> I, always I'm subtra- good. I always subtract like 2 pounds for my hair. Uh, <laughs> yep. Okay. Just yep. know that 8 pounds I, and 8% of my total nail body polish. weight. Oh. Yeah, nail polish. <laughs> Anything. <laughs> I will make an excuse for anything. I only weigh I myself just... before and after a good poop. I don't weigh myself in any other circumstances. <laughs> um, so a 40% loss of your blood can cause, or basically will cause, irreversible damage. A 40% loss is way bad news. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but a loss of one and a half liters is where it begins to be like a serious problem. Like, you didn't just cut your finger like you should go to the hospital. Right. And so, just for relation, for us women, we have about four to five liters of blood in our bodies. Mm -hmm. So, 1.5 out, not good. Yeah. And men have between about five to six. Um, I thought this was interesting. So, BPA, probably given how fucking involved it is, it's most often used to refute or corroborate a witness's testimony rather than establish the context on its own. Okay. Okay. I mean, in terms of our legal system, that actually makes some sense. Like, not that it's good, but... It's got to be so expensive to do one of these investigations. Sure. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. This was the best part of all my research, (laughs) you guys. I know I've said that, like, four times, Mm -hmm. but for real. 
So I was on this uh, forensic simplified website, mm-hmm. and they had a they had the video of the guy doing the string thing. Yes, and then it had which will be on the blog. And then it had suggested videos, so obviously I was clicking on all of those. Oh, God. And I oh saw my God. a playlist oh God. of 100 and, 171 videos wow. from the same, I think the same user, that are different situations for a- analysts to refer to. Okay. Like for That's their investigations. So, cool. so I just have to read you some of the best titles of these. Love it. So okay. they're they're like fifteen to thirty seconds each. Mm-hmm. So obviously I watched like most of them. <laughs> um, so some examples Twice. were gentle exhalation over two drops of blood on lips. These sound like yoga poses. <laughs> I know. Well, they actually kind of do. I'm gonna read them in a soothing voice. Please for do. You. Now pretend. Yeah. yeah, pretend to be a Ooh, yoga everyone instructor. Everyone, close your eyes. Okay, they're closed. Yes, yep, yep, I'm ready. Set your intentions. Mm-hmm. Mm. Here we go. Cough, cough through bloodied lips. <laughs> Blood on plexiglass wiped and swiped with a paper towel. <laughs> Blood on plexiglass wiped and swiped with a paper towel after 90 seconds. <laughs> Only attempt this pose if you are an experienced... Yogi. And if you don't have don't to fart. Don't push yourself. And if you don't have to <laughs> fart. That's why I don't do yoga. I always have to they fart. They should really warn you of the poses that you shouldn't attempt if you already have to fart. <laughs> Let's be real. Keep going. I'm so soothed by this. Blood on plexiglass wiped and swiped with a finger after 240 seconds. <laughs> Impact spatter hammer into blood on a tape-covered sponge. What? Cast off from a horizontal swing of a wrench. <laughs> That's all I wrote down, but you get the idea. Chaturanga Seriously? and namaste. <laughs> namaste. See you next Thursday. Actually soothed by that. I was too. I had my eyes closed. I was like transported to another world. I'm happy to read all 171 titles in that voice. I just have two more, two more little things. So mm-hmm. on ins- if you are intrigued by things like this, then there is an Instagram account and actually an a-, a real company in San Francisco called Crime Scene Cleaners Inc. Mm-hmm. Mm. And they have an Instagram, which I found previously, but one of our Instagram followers and patriot, mm-hmm. Julian13. Get it? Which is spelled Goulian13. Goulian. <laughs> um, Julia Gulia. Julia Gulia. Oh my God. Okay. I think we figured it She's out. Listening. We solved it. She's listening. <laughs> Um, in her words, it's a lot of public shitting, but it's pretty interesting and kind of funny. So (laughs) it really is just, it's crime scene photos of like this biohazard cleanup company. Love it. Where they clean Mm. up, like I mentioned earlier, horrific miscarriages, uh, bar fights, murders, bodies being dragged, but also there's a lot of poop. You had me at a lot of public shitting. You do not have to sell it any more than that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, For more information, go to bloodspatter.com, which is an actual domain. Love it. Love it. 
Okay, that about covers the science behind blood spatter. There's literally nothing Woo. more to learn. <laughs> wow, that was uh, that was really incredible. It was glorious. Yeah. Is what it, was. it was really glorious. <laughs> um, okay, so my case. Um, full disclosure: I stole this entire thing from an episode of Forensic Files. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> and. It's in enti- I can't. I don't remember what season. It's entitled Bloody Valentine. <gasps> no. Ooh. Oh my god. Okay. So this one time I had a one night stand with um <laughs> with a British guy, and in the middle of the night it was on Valentine's Day, and in the middle of the night I got my period but didn't realize it, and we like did it, and just like it looked like a crime scene by the next morning, and I snuck out. Of his house and got on the bus, which, like, I tried so hard not to throw up the whole way home because I was so hungover. And, like, 15 minutes later, I'm halfway through my bus ride and I get a text. No, no words, no comment. Just, he sent me just a photo message of a picture of his bed. It was horrific. So I called him my bloody Valentine. I bought him new sheets. Boy, bye. Sorry about the mess. I gotta go. <laughs> so that's one bloody Valentine. Not the subject of my case today. <laughs> it's Amanda's case. <laughs> All before I met Dan. Hashtag propose Dan. <laughs> Vodka gets you drunker than wine faster. <laughs> you guys are catching on. Oh, oh man. <laughs> Okay, so Dr. John Hamilton and his wife, Susan, were living in an upscale neighborhood in Oklahoma City. John is an obstetrician gynecologist. Never trust a male gyno. Uh Uh-uh. Right? Mm. Um, He had a successful practice, and his wife, Susan, managed the practice. Mm. Okay? It was the second marriage for both of them, um... And Susan has been described as a bit of a trophy wife, although I think that's a little bit unfair because, or like doesn't do her justice because mm-hmm. it sounds like she actually had like a very strong personality and sense of self right. and was like trophy pretty Trophy wife alludes so. to you being one thing and that's fucking arm candy and not having like any right. kind of personality or, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So I actually think she just was like pretty kind of and people all, were assholes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking patriarchy. Yeah. Yes. Makes sense. Heaven forbid she be <laughs> okay. beautiful and smart. No, can't happen. Um, so John had kids from a previous marriage who were like adults. Um, I don't think Susan did, but I was rushing writing my notes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> okay, so the Hamiltons were affluent. Um and on this episode of Forensic Files, they interview a local reporter, and she calls them the country club set, <laughs> like, literally four times. <laughs> we oh my get God. it. We get They're it. They're rich. We um, get it. Okay. <laughs> so, it is Valentine's Day in the early 2000s. Again, rushing with my notes. And... <laughs> Susan was found naked, brutally beaten, and strangled in her master bath slash bedroom. Um, so, like the attack had the attack had clearly started in the master bath, and then she had kind of like crossed the threshold into the bedroom. Yeah. 
Um, so Susan had been beaten with a blunt object, mm. which was not found at the scene. Um, also had her head slammed repeatedly against the floor mm. and then was ultimately uh, strangled, like I mentioned, with um, a necktie, which I believe was still found at the scene. Mm. Um, which I just think it's so weird when people are strangled with ties. Right. Like literal ties. Yeah. Because I just don't feel like they're so soft. Like, I. It works. How does that it even still work? Works. Well, because it when works. you tie the tie, you can create almost like a tourniquet. Just using, right, like, right. tightening the tie knot. Okay, so investigators believe that the blunt object was actually the murder weapon. Okay. Um, because she, like, was strangled, but I think officially died from the head wounds. Okay. Um, so they also believe it was a weapon of opportunity. So it was an object that just happened to be on hand somewhere in the house that the killer grabbed sort of in the moment. Okay. Mm. Um, this is their theory, that they didn't find the object. So, of course, in any case like this, the husband is always the first suspect, right? obviously... Like, yeah, usually for fucking good reason. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but John had a watertight alibi because he was at the hospital performing two separate surgeries that morning. Oh, oh sure. John uh, stopped by the house around lunchtime, so after the surgeries in the morning, to bring Susan flowers because, again, it was Valentine's oh. Day. And he was heading from the hospital to his office and the house was on the way, so he stopped in and gave and was going to give her flowers, but instead he found her lying in a pool of her own blood upstairs. So he tried to resusc- or says he tried to resuscitate her, but that it was too late, and then he called 911. Okay. So, a few theories. At first, Susan's death looked like maybe a possible burglary gone wrong because they, you know, lived in a nice house and had nice things and everything. Right. And also the... Um, the backsliding glass door of the house was found ajar. Oh, okay. There was no evidence otherwise of a break-in, and neighbors also hadn't seen anything. Okay. It was a hit job. Um, also, no valuables appeared to be missing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so burglary is ruled it's out, out. Unless they're the worst burglars of all time. <laughs> Which they could be. Um, <laughs> They could be, right? This is why I could never be a detective, because I'm on team, can't rule it out. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Not impossible. (laughs) So every case would just be unsolved. Um, No clearance. Clearance rate is zero. (laughs) Okay, so... There are also no signs of sexual assault. Um, for once. So Yeah. For so once? They cut, well, <laughs> I'm not wrong. A woman. I'm just an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> she, she was naked because she um, had been in the shower and then, and then came out of the shower either when she heard whoever was in the room or, you know, whatever, was interacting with whoever was in the room okay. or... Or just, yeah. So she had been showering and then had just come out of the shower. Mm. She might have been in a towel. I don't know. Um, so they ruled out uh, home invasion for, like, the purposes of rape. They ruled that out as a theory. And then um, the, polu- the police soon developed another theory of the crime. Mm-hmm. So because John was an obstetrician gyno, God bless him, 
uh, he performed abortions. Uh Mm. And he was, they were both pretty unapologetic about it. So they were like, yeah, this is what we do. Pro-choice, baby. Fuck you. Yeah, Mm -hmm. we don't care if we live in the Bible Belt. Like, women need health care. Right. Thank God. Yeah. So because of his work, um, the Hamiltons had received numerous threats, including death threats, Mm. from anti-abortion activists. Mm. Um, And so recently they had even put up flyers around the city with John's picture on, like, a wanted poster. Oh, my God. Being, like... Being, like, wanted for murder and child abuse. Yeah. Fuck you. So, also, these uh, anti-abortion activists had gotten a permit to picket outside of the Hamilton's residence. So, outside of their personal home, they were going to picket within a month of the homicide. So, the activists knew their address. Wow. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, this theory is looking promising. But later, there will be some wrenches in that theory. Okay. So... More about the crime. Again, it happens on Valentine's Mm -hmm. Day. Investigators found the Valentine's Day cards that the couple had exchanged Mm. earlier that morning. No. Ooh, that's what these are. Photos on the blog. Oh, God. Yep. So John's card read, We are important, loving, caring people together. My life would be incomplete without you. I love you, John. Which, to me... Is a little bit weird and stilted. No, I've got cards like that from Dan, kind of. That doesn't make... We are important, loving, caring people together. They yeah, work that's together a weird, and they do things that's a weird for sentence. the women in their community. But they wouldn't be important, loving, and caring without each other? They make each other more important, loving, and caring. It's like a weird... Important, though? That's not what it's implying. I don't know. It's weird. I don't like it. It's stilted. You're right. It's stilted. I'm drunk. It's It's romantic. No, you're... Well, you're wrong, and we're going to get to why you're wrong. Oh, no. You're fucking wrong. He did do it. You are conclusively wrong. Okay, so then... (laughs) Kenyon's about to list the reasons. Drop the knowledge. (laughs) Okay, so the card that Susan had given John, however, (laughs) was very different. I'm going to fucking kill you. Oh, sorry. (laughs) She's the dead one. Oh, Okay. all right. All right, so on one part of the card, Susan had written, quote, Obviously, I bought this card before last Monday. (laughs) What? If you get a Valentine's Day card and the card, like, you know, it's a Hallmark card. It says, you know, like, I love you forever, blah, blah, blah. And then somebody hand writes in, obviously, I bought this before last Monday. Ooh, shit. What happened last Monday? Right? Oh, yeah, I missed that. Okay. What okay. happened last Monday? Oh. Yeah. All right. <laughs> she was probably PMSing is what happened last Monday. You can literally hear how hard the wheels are turning in my head to understand this. Keep going. Oh. <laughs> oh okay. Y'all didn't hire me for being smart. Okay, she also wrote in the card, quote, I bought my cards two weeks ago, so I guess maybe they don't seem as appropriate now. Oh, my God. But 
but I do love you. Have a good day. <laughs> wow. Things are not going well in this marriage. Not what good. happened well, last Monday? Can I point out that that is evidence number 69? Mm. Oh, is it? <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> Exhibit number 69. Exhibit 69. That was a long trial. All right. Okay. So, it turns out Susan had found more than 60 phone calls between her husband and a patient of his who was an exotic dancer. Uh, okay. Not that Ooh, there's and he looked up her cooch. <laughs> yep. That's how they met. Ooh. It's a meet cute. So, so, okay. So, Susan... Uh, was going through the phone records and, like, meticulously poured over the phone records and, like, highlighted each phone call between her husband and the dancer and, like, noted stuff in the margin, like, oh my God. we were in Dallas. <gasps> oh I my see God. it. It's on the blog. It's so good. Yeah. John denied having an affair but did admit to visiting the strip club where the woman worked and paying for lap dances with her on at least two separate occasions. Okay. Okay. Sure. Um, but what's interesting is that the police interviewed the woman, and she also denied having any affair and described the interaction with John as him trying to work up the nerve to ask her out. Hmm. So they might not have actually been banging, but he was trying to get there, right. basically. Right, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And at the very least, his wife knew about it, and the marriage was not great. Because of that. Wow. Okay. So, local reporters found out about all of this tantalizing stuff and decided to dig into the case more deeply. Um, they obtained a copy of the 911 call that John had made mm-hmm. and had it analyzed by a voice stress expert. Ooh. Um, yeah. Oh, I okay. want that to be my job. A voice Always stress suspicious. expert. Always. <laughs> yeah, my my clearance rate would be zero, and Lucy's flag rate mm-hmm. would be one hundred percent. I'm flagging you right team. now. You'd both be <laughs> terrible at these jobs for completely different reasons. <laughs> and I'm just too drunk Everyone, and distracted all the time to be able to be good at it. Everyone is on the hook all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the voice stress expert did conclude that it was a suspicious call and did sound rehearsed, and they have the phone call in the Forensic Files episode, and... It's cray. It does sound pretty rehearsed. We've got to find the episode number so we can share this. If you just Google bloody Valentine, it's going to come right up. Um, okay. Google Forensic Files bloody Valentine. Yeah, so you don't get yeah. my photos. <laughs> Amanda's some dick. Some British guy just talking through his trauma of his one night stand. He has his own podcast. John was in police custody just being interviewed. So not like arrested, but you know, he's the husband that mm-hmm. found the body. So he's in police custody. And he's very, very emotional. He's, like, pretty much hysterical. Mm-hmm. And he's there are videos. He's, like, constantly moving around the room and rocking back and forth and, and like, laying his head on the table and pacing and crying. I mean, he's, like... Not to discredit, like, anybody's grief, but it's almost too much. Yeah, that's what the cops said. They said that he, he seemed like he was acting because it was just so over the top. Yeah. Um, you you wouldn't even be to the grief stage. You should right. be in shock. Like yes, and like, no. I can't speak to that. Like 
exactly, but I mean, I certainly, right. when, when I found out that my father had passed away, I was very emotional, like, immediately. Yeah. And was not yeah, having an know. easy time with it, and if you can be shocked, was very vocal about it. <laughs> my <Right>. upstairs neighbor <laughs> came up and knocked on the door and was like, um, you're screaming, are you okay? And then just, like, sat with me yeah. until my roommate came home. It was actually kind of amazing. Aww. But, like, everybody well, everybody reacts in different ways and everybody grieves in different ways. But this, even to me, as someone who is, like, a very emotional, like, reactionary person, this mm-hmm. sounds a little crazy. Well, yeah. not to discredit whatsoever your reaction to your actual father's death, but you also didn't find him in a pool of his own blood no, in the bathroom. No, you're totally right. Completely. Completely. Yeah. That would be I really think hard to unsee. a little see. different scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's not my spouse. Not he's my dad. Either. So it's also, I have a different relationship with him than right. a mm-hmm. spouse has with their significant other. Right. Right. Okay. The, for this case, uh, the most suspicious thing for me is that in one of the tapes, um, John says to the police officer, quote, I am so distraught. Mm. Which a person who's actually distraught would never say, "I'm distraught." No, no, no. That's like a that's like an external adjective. Exactly, it's not someone describes yeah. you as distraught. Right. Yeah. That's weird. I yeah. take back so everything I said about his Valentine's Day card. <laughs> <laughs> okay. When emergency services arrived at the scene, John was obviously covered in his wife's blood, but he, of course, had been administering, I don't know, CPR, mm-hmm. trying to resuscitate her. Right. And um, cradling her body and all that stuff. So, what, well, back up for just a second. Was the blood, were the injuries mostly from hitting her head on the floor? That's where the blood yes. came from? There was no stabbing or gunshot or anything? No, there was no knife and no gun. It was um, it was some sort of blunt object to oh, the that's right. okay. front left part of her head. Okay. And then the back part of her skull against the floor. Oh, Jesus. Okay. okay, but they don't have a weapon yet. They don't have a weapon, no. Okay. But it's not a knife and it's not a gun. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so... <clears throat> he had blood all over him, mm. um, but, like, some of that could be explained by the cradling and whatever. Sure. But not all of oh. it. Mm. Yes. All right, so, <laughs> so two separate blood spatter experts, including one hired by John's defense <gasps> team. No. Mm. Whoops. Oh. Yep. And it came out at trial <laughs> under cross-examination. <laughs> oh. So good. Okay. Oh, my God. Oh, so, my God. Yep. So, they both found blood droplets on John's shoes mm-hmm. caused by high-velocity blood spatter. Okay. Which oh. could only have happened during the beating because of like the shape of the blood, what the velocity must have been. That is because they were because no. they were spatter versus transfer. Or yeah, or that right. uh, exactly that fucking mm-hmm. what is it? What do we have? Gravity, shit. I'm <laughs> keep it very drunk. Keep it in. <laughs> <laughs> what is that force we have on Earth? So like, why are we able to sit and stand? All oh, right, gravity. <laughs> You know that thing we have? It's a theory, okay? It's a theory. 
It is a theory. <laughs> I know. She's right. got a point. She's oh, yeah. suspicious of gravity. It might just be magnets, She's one guys. step beyond. Magnets. She's one step ahead of me. Magnets. All right, all right, all right, all right. So. Stop. You sound like Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Okay, okay, okay. Um, okay. So, there's blood spatter on his shoes. Um... The, both experts also agreed that John's shirt cuff, so he's wearing like a white uh, button down, mm-hmm. had a direct spatter on both the exterior part of the cuff and the interior part of the cuff <gasps> by Sucka, his wrist. idiot. Photos yeah. on the blog. Photos but on the blog. But he was cradling her. But they're direct spatter again, not transfer. Oh, Ooh. okay. Oh, wow. So basically... Mm. What the experts were saying was that the the spatter inside the cuff could only have been produced by the beating itself because it would require like a certain angle and a certain velocity for it to get inside the cuff like wow, that. Wow, okay. Oh, this is so good. Yeah. Um, and then the most damning thing for me was the fact that luminol tests also showed Susan's blood all up in John's car. Oh, what so, the fuck? Yeah. Car? Yeah. His car? But wasn't yeah. she found in, like, their house? Oh, no, but it was transfer. Oh. Yeah. Right? Transfer stains from his clothes. Okay. Yeah, transfer stain from his hands and his clothes, including on the steering... You can basically, like, see his handprints on the steering wheel in her blood. Wow. Oh, my God. What yeah. a moron. Why did he think yeah. he could get away with that? And come on, you're a he doctor. He didn't get away with it, did he? You're a doctor of vagina. You should know these things. Yeah. Tell me he did not get away with this. We're going to find well, out. we shall see. The Hamilton's maid uh, also testified that a marble figurine slash statue was missing from the master bath. No. <gasps> the blunt object. But remember, he has a watertight alibi. He was literally performing surgeries all morning. So how could he have done mm-hmm. it? You ask. <laughs> it turns out that John had a brief window of time between his two morning surgeries. Oh, shit. And the hospital had even paged him to locate him once the second patient had undergone anesthesia so that they could get started on the surgery. Oh, so they literally were like, okay. We're waiting for you. Where Where's are you? Dr. Hamilton? Dr. Dr. Nandy. Nandy. They should have just brought yeah. in Dr. Nandy. Should have yeah. just brought in Drink. So this is what happened. John <laughs> bounced out real quick from the hospital, went home. Got in a fight with Susan. They had already probably gotten in a fight that morning when they exchanged cards. Probably. So they got in another fight. Oh. Killed her. Um, got a page on his fucking beeper <laughs> from the hospital. Yep. So, so he had to hurry back to the hospital. So he quickly changed out of his bloody pants. Good God. And disposed of both the pants and the murder weapon. We don't know where. He probably just, like, dumped them in some random garbage can. Yeah. Into the bay um, with the sewing scissors. <laughs> yep. Yep. Behind the grandma's Ooh, couch. With a pile right. of my hair. Um, <laughs> quick, Nana, hide these for me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, any Nana with her worth her would soul would them. do that. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Then he, <laughs> then he drove back to the hospital, performed the second surgery, like 
minutes after killing his wife. What? That's impressive. Yep. This guy's a fucking sociopath. He's a pro, is what he is. (laughs) Um, He has earned my respect. Nope. Stir. He was still wearing his bloody shoes while performing the second surgery. Wow. Uh, then he went back home, changed back into his bloody shirt. God knows why. Probably to corroborate oh. him finding the body and holding her and freaking out and all that shit. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Maybe he didn't. God. Maybe he didn't want to actually like hold her sure. after she'd been dead for a while. Yeah, I don't know. They don't explain that part on forensic files. Mm. Well, um, changing the changing of the shirt would be. Well, I don't know. I don't know. If he were smart, he yeah. would have put but, on a different shirt, held her again, and then been able to get away with, like, the contact blood transfer. Yeah, right? But like, he's smart about vagina, but he's not smart about forensic evidence. <laughs> Maybe yeah. he was thinking that somebody who he worked with could have said, well, this morning he was wearing a white shirt. Oh, that's true. Maybe. But today he's wearing a blue shirt, you know, this afternoon. Yeah. I mean, I feel like he would have more than two white button downs. Right. Or more than one white button down. I don't know. They As actually doctors don't. do. We're going to obsess about the shirt for a while. <laughs> the shirt is the trickiest part. And it actually, it's kind of interesting that you guys are questioning it. Because there's actually Reddit controversy over one of the blood spatter experts. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, like, some of his testimony in other cases is, like, under question or whatever. Okay. I'm drunk. Yeah. Um. But for me, like, the blood on the shirt is not even as damning because, like, I don't know, maybe some blood could get inside the right. cuff. Like, I don't know. Uh, again, 0% clearance <laughs> right. rate. But, <laughs> Can't rule it out. <laughs> Whereas I have but, already sentenced him to life without parole. I've sentenced him to death. <laughs> Ooh, Nice. <laughs> One um, step ahead again. Moving to Texas. But anyway, her her blood was all over his car. Right. So to me, yeah, it's like case closed. Like that's yeah, done. you're stupid. That's okay. Bad. Very last thing. There's this video um, of him being in the like interview room, the police interview room, and he's his his quote is, "Will you leave the door open?" He's like pleading with them. I mean, I feel like I'm in a cage. I mean, I'm going nuts in here. <laughs> And then the the cop replies, "Well, that's the whole purpose of you being oh, here." Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Oh, that's dark. <laughs> <laughs> that I mean, not okay. he's fuck. not wrong. No, he's not wrong. Yep. So, so he he was convicted. He's in jail. I don't have any more information because I ran out of time. <laughs> Okay, so listeners, Google it your fucking selves. Watch yep. the Forensic Files episode. <laughs> yep. Love it. Um, okay, so here's what I... Just a quick overview of what I am interpreting the chain of events to be. Mm-hmm. Yep. They wake up in the morning, they exchange their cards, he sees that she wrote something kind of bitchy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little ha- passive-aggressive. Yeah. He has to leave for work for this first surgery. But it was like, com- yep. this conversation isn't he, over. We're going to talk about this. He gets so angry, yeah. it like is, it's going over in his head, mm-hmm. as anyone who's ever had to leave for work before your argument is over. Yeah, it sucks. Will oh, testify. yeah. 
it just goes bad over. Combo. He gets angry, and he knows that she's still home, and she's probably in the shower. Mm-hmm. So he's mm-hmm. like, "I'm gonna go home and kill the bitch." So he does. Mm-hmm. That's what happened. I like it. It could be. It could be that, or he could have genuinely gone home to continue the discussion and got heated in that moment. Right. You know, and you know, so it could have. It could have been premeditated by like an hour, or it could have been heat of the moment. Totally. We won't know. I mean, if for him to go into the bedroom and grab that marble figurine and bash her with it, there must have been some sort of abs- blind rage involved. Yeah. Which you would well, she, think occurred, like, before, you know, when it was all stewing. I don't know. Well, she was already out of the shower. There was no blood in the shower. Yeah. So, but they he could knew just, she was home getting ready, like in that. Yeah, area. I mean, they may have started arguing yeah. in the bedroom. He had the opportunity to grab yeah. the figurine. The argument continues downstairs. The rest is history. Yeah. No, it's all. No, it all happens in the oh, bedroom. Oh, then the upstairs. argument in the bedroom bathroom upstairs. So yeah, so he kills her in the bedroom. It got heated. He fucking reaches for it, and it's there. The yeah. only reason why I think it was stewing and a little bit premeditated is because. He only had a small window of time to go home and come back. Yeah. And he didn't tell anyone, I'm going to run home really quick. That's true. That's true. It was like a secret, I'm going to slip out yeah, really quick and go sketchy. murder my wife. All right. Idiot. So, yeah. So, he fucking did it. And it's sad. Cool. He for sure did it. Well. All right, Amanda. Here we go. I have covered the Chamberlain case. And this is a case you will probably know because of Meryl Streep in A Cry in the Dark and the famous line, a dingo ate my baby. Oh my God. Yeah. That was a not... line from a movie? No, from the yeah. woman. Okay, t- just shh. I thought it was from The Simpsons. Okay. And also The Simpsons and also <laughs> Seinfeld and every fucking pop culture thing ever. Well, so, I didn't yeah. know that that was the origin. We are talking I'm about super excited to hear the about disappearance this. of Azaria Chamberlain. So, Uh Azaria was an Australian two-month-old baby girl who was killed by a dingo in August 1980 on a family camping trip to Uluru, also known as Ayers Rock, or Ayers Rock, in the northern... Ayers Ayers Rock, in the northern territory of Australia. According to Mother Lindy Chamberlain, she had put her children to bed and sometime later went to check on them. When she got to the tent, she saw a dingo with a bundle in its mouth. She was not close. Dingo being like a coyote. A wild dog, essentially. Okay. 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 She was not close enough to see what it was, but when she checked on the children, she saw that her daughter Azaria was missing. She and her husband Michael, along with other like campers nearby, began searching for the child. Um, a nearby camper went into the tent to check on the Chamberlain's other child who was still asleep and saw a pool of wet blood on the floor of the tent <gasps> and assumed that Azaria was probably dead. Oh, um, <gasps> a little bit later, a tourist finds the baby's jumpsuit and it was slightly torn and bloody, but mostly intact. Um, a car. What? Yeah. And there's pictures of Ooh, photos on the blog. Ew, yeah, that's disturbing. The other kid was sleeping, yep, so it sleeping. couldn't have been, like, a violent thing. No, I mean... Like, a loud thing? No, it wasn't... It was not loud. <gasps> yeah, you found it. Oh! Um, a cardigan yeah, that the baby it. was wearing at the time of her disappearance was not found. So, here's where the blood stuff gets into it. 
Forensic investigators found, quote, bloodstains in the front seat of the family car that they claimed contained fetal hemoglobin, which is a protein in the blood for, um, of babies during the last seven months of development in the womb, and then it stays in the blood of the newborn child for roughly six months after their birth. Okay. So it's like oh, power okay. blood? Pretty much, yeah. It's like all this extra po- protein that I'm assuming was from the mother, and then it's still working its way out for about six months of the baby's life outside of the womb. Okay. So ultraviolet photographs of um, Azaria's jumpsuit, the little, like, onesie that she was wearing, were, were taken at uh, a medical hospital. And um, they allege that there was an incised wound around the neck of the jumpsuit. And in other words, this, like, led to them thinking that her the baby's throat had been cut because of, like, the oh. way the jumpsuit was ripped. And then they also Jesus claimed that there Christ. was an imprint of the hand of a small adult on the jumpsuit that is visible in the photographs. So they're claiming there are bloodstains in the car that there's a weird cut on the jumpsuit that seems to correspond with a slit throat, and that there's a... That's a cut. It's a cut. It's not a tear, it, yeah, I, is that's what, what I mean, that's what this says, but they could have called it either a cut or a tear. I'm not sure. Um, and then that uh-huh. there's a bloody handprint of a small, i.e. female adult, on the jumpsuit. Spatter was photographed on a metal bracket removed from under the dashboard of the Chamberlain's car, and this spatter was assumed to be blood. Further, tests conducted on material from the spray pattern showed that it had come from a baby under six months of age, and the doctor that was testifying told the court that the appearance of the pattern was consistent with arterial bleeding. Um, a, I think it's a prosecutor for the Crown, because it's, it's Australia, so they don't say the state, they say the Crown, told the jury that this Weird. spray pattern came from the child when she was killed. Oh, so she was still alive when that artery was cut. Well, that's what the prosecution is saying. This gets cray. Okay. So the defense is unable to test the substances that the Crown claimed was blood because the lab technician said it had all been, the samples they had had all been used up, which is legit. Like, that does happen. But it's all over that fucking, it's everywhere. Uh, Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. The defense expert was able to look at the technician's notes and said that the tests appeared not to have been done correctly, but without being Mm. able to test the material themselves, they couldn't say anymore, so they can't introduce any of that to trial. It's all, like, speculation and circumstantial evidence. The defense also pointed out that there was a much larger amount of blood in the tent and on the mattress, carry cot, which I'm assuming means the little carrier that was holding the baby and the tent yeah. itself, then there was claimed to be blood in the car. Okay, so there it's a family. It's the mom and dad mm. and two yep. kids. It looks like and three the, kids in that photo. They may have three kids now, but I think at the time of the camping trip, it was the two kids were on the camping trip. If you're camping and you have a fucking baby under six months mm-hmm. old, you're not putting that baby in the other tent with the kids. That baby is in your tent. I don't think that's necessarily true. Because a lot of parents... the parents maybe weren't asleep? The parents were not asleep. They were awake and hanging out near the tent. They put the the two kids to bed in one tent. They're in a tent right next to it. They can hear everything. I mean, 
you know, a lot of parents will start after the first month of their kid's life will start putting their baby in the crib in the other room so they can sleep. This baby's two and months so in old. That, in that context, I would be leaving my two-month-old with the other For kids sure. sleeping in the tent. For sure. <laughs> I, th I think that it's reasonable uh, to have put the baby in that tent, in my expert I, opinion. Well, I'm going to be a helicopter mm -hmm. mom, apparently, because I would not do that. That sounds... I wouldn't go camping with... I wouldn't go camping. I wouldn't go camping with kids. It's also... I certainly wouldn't fucking go camping with it's a also, six It's also second kid. You wouldn't go kid. camping, period. It's also second period. kid. Keep that in mind. My sister's first or kid... Or third. No, or third. My sister's first kid... Yeah, Molly slept in their bedroom for, like, maybe two months. But you best fucking believe, now that they've had the first kid out of the way, second baby's going in the crib as soon as possible so they can fucking sleep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like right. I don't, I, I don't find that to be suspicious or unreasonable at all. They're probably, t okay. you know, thirty feet away at a campfire. Like I, I don't think it's that crazy. So, uh, <laughs> the defense points out there's a larger amount of blood in the tent. They also point out that three people had heard the baby Azaria cry out. One of the three people being a total stranger, like someone camping nearby. So they, this person would have Weird. no reason to lie. And testify that they heard the Unless baby. they did. Right, exactly. But, you know, that's not where this goes. Um, okay. But regardless of the pretty damn convincing evidence provided by the defense and how shittily the police department had handled the crime scene, which we'll talk about in the forensic evidence, it was not enough for a jury. So Lindy Chamberlain was tried for murder and convicted in October of 1982, sentenced to life in prison, imprisonment, in president. Um, <laughs> That's what we're subjected exactly. to right now. Azaria's father, yeah. Michael, was also convicted as an accessory after the fact and given a suspended sentence. Okay, so okay. long and short of it, this whole trial is fucking bogus. And um, the Chamberlain trial was also the most publicized in Australian history. And given that most of the evidence presented in the case against Lindy Chamberlain was later rejected, the case is now used as an example of how media and bias can adversely affect a trial. So let's talk okay. about the rejected evidence, okay? You guys are not going to fucking believe this, and I don't, believe, I don't blame you because I didn't believe it either. So this is the evidence that was not allowed into no, the trial? No, this is evidence. So she's convicted on, like, the first or second... They call them inquiries in Australia. So in... Australia is just as fucked up. I know. So it's like things are real fishy and this shit gets reopened later in like third, fourth, and fifth inquiries into this case. And, you know, Lindy's Jesus. filing for appeals because like, holy shit, she doesn't want to spend her life yeah. in prison and blah, blah, blah. So fast forward, we're talking about the rejected evidence. We, we get to the future. Um, analysis reveals that the stains in the family car that police claimed were blood actually came from a spilled drink. <gasps> yep. It wasn't even fucking it wasn't blood? wasn't even blood, what? meaning it's likely the stains on the car interior had never been properly tested at all, and the report was mostly <gasps> police speculation assumed to be truth. What? Oh, my, what year, what year the was this Never trust a cop. This is the 80s. Never trust the cops. The blood oh spatter God. found on the bracket in the car was actually a sand-based sound-deadening compound that was ap that was applied to the bottom, like the undercarriage of the vehicle. It apparently... So some sort of car juice. Exactly. It apparently appeared in more than 10% of the vehicle's make and models. Apparently when the undercarriage is sprayed with this compound to, like, 
reduce um, vehicle noise, it can occasionally get up into the cabin of the car. And that's exactly what had happened in this case. One, oh my one God. expert had identified the, quote, bloody handprint on Azaria's jumpsuit um, to actually be red desert sand that is, like, super common in Australia. Wasn't blood. Well, there's a photo of the mom and the baby, presumably on this trip yep. or sometime close to it. There's They're standing on a red rock. Exactly. Yeah. Jesus Wasn't Christ. even fucking blood. Um, the original forensic team essentially cries faulty technology and forensics not being an exact science to explain all their bullshit away. Um, a lab tech had done a presumptive test and had been misled by a positive reaction to the presence of copper oxide in the samples, which is a material prevalent where the Chamberlains lived in Queensland, Australia. So they probably got some false some false readings because of, like, oh. copper and shit in the soil that could be construed okay. as, I don't know, material blood. in blood. I, Do I don't know. copper in your blood? I, I have no clue. This is just what I read. And I'm not a fucking scientist, Jesus. so I don't know. The fact of the matter is, Lindy was convicted by flawed forensic evidence and by investigators and prosecutors totally unwilling to reconsider their assumptions in the face of contradictory evidence. Like, the defense did bring forward some shit that was like, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. And they were like, well, fuck you, this is what we think is happening. And it was so sensationalized in the media, apparently, there were people showing up to her trials, like young, te like, like fucking shitty young people showing up to the her trial, Lindy's trial, in t-shirts that said, like, the dingo is innocent. It was so oh, fucking so she, sensationalized. So she, when she went to trial, said, it wasn't me, it must have been a dingo. Yes, because, because she, she saw, saw it wander dingo. off with her kid, and people didn't believe her. Oh, mm -hmm. okay. So, I forgot that poor part, Lindy is literally sitting behind bars. <laughs> I'm the only sober one here. I know, right? <laughs> Well, she's not that sober. She's you're not. She's not, she's not sober. You're not. I mean, yeah, nah, I'm the nah. most sober for once. You are. Was my lies. <laughs> Let's keep going. <laughs> Lindy is sitting behind bars when, by chance, police investigating the death of a fallen climber discover Azaria's missing cardigan that we talked about earlier that hadn't been found near a dingo oh, den. Oh shit! Found it near a dingo den. And the Australian public confronted the reality that its justice system had fucked up. And then apparently there were other reports, like, since Lindy got convicted, there were a handful of reports of other children being attacked by these wild dingoes, including a nine-year-old that was mauled to death near other dingo <gasps> dens. So, like, they had brushed it off as being this insane claim, but, like, dingoes are fucking territorial and aggressive. And it turned out that yeah. this shit is actually totally legit. Um, the jacket, Ugh. the little jacket cardigan that they found helped exonerate the Chamberlains after Lindy had served three years of a life sentence. Um, <gasps> but oh, yeah, and she, had other kids. she sat behind bars for three years. With the accusation that she killed, slit yep. the throat of her baby. Yep. When she had yeah, done it all. could not have been a good life in no, prison. No, so she's Jesus grieving. Christ. She's grieving the death of her child and wrongfully convicted of murder. Of oh a very God. violent, gruesome murder. Yep. Who slits a baby's that throat? A crazy Jesus. person. So she gets, they let her out of jail. Like, they release her after the jacket is found, but... 
there are still several years of trials and hearings, and this all kind of still remains, like, at least for a period of time, uh, unsolved, but they kind of, like, figure out that it wasn't her because of that other forensic evidence. It's just, like, unverified. Right, so she receives a $1.3 million settlement for her wrongful conviction, which, like, doesn't Mm -hmm. seem like enough to me, but I guess it was the 90s when they let her out. Yeah. But it wasn't until 2012, literally 32 years after the event, that a new coroner reviews all of the evidence and finally pronounces that a dingo was indeed responsible for the death of little Azaria. Ate her baby. Yep. A dingo did A dingo eat her literally baby. ate her baby. That's they they did an amended death certificate and there's like there's a picture of this poor woman like in her fucking 60s coming out of a courthouse holding up this death certificate. I mean, the death of their daughter broke up her marriage with her husband. He later died of cancer, so he's now gone. But like her life was fucking ruined by all of this. Oh my God. Because people handled the blood evidence incorrectly, essentially. I'm guessing that because it's fucking important and they didn't even fucking test nope. things. Apparently, it was it was fucking Coca Cola, yeah. not blood. Yeah, fucking morons. Yeah, um, fucking patriarchy. I'm, guess- mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm guessing the husband's conviction for accessory after the fact was also mm-hmm. vacated after the fact. Correct. Right. Yep, yeah. they were both released Shit. immediately when the additional forensic evidence was collected from the cardigan. That's man. Awful. Yeah, they found like dog hair and all kinds of shit on the clothes. Like there were definite very defined signs, signs that a dog, a wild fucking dog ran off with a 2-month-old infant baby. And then while she's uh. in jail, other kids are being attacked and killed by dingoes. And the Australian government is still like, "Meh. Sorry about it." Yeah, we don't want to think about this we don't want to warn no, people or admit failure in trial like it's all fucked oh, but she's out now she's a millionaire and she's exonerated barely all is well barely <laughs> yeah barely a millionaire Jesus. she's not a- so not enough of a She's millionaire. She's a 1.3 I mean, millionaire. Oh I feel like you God. shouldn't legally so, be taxed for the money you get for being wrongfully convicted of a crime. But that's just me. Oh, that's a really good point. That's just me. I wonder Ooh. if they are. It's the government who fucking... Oh, of course they are. It's income. I guarantee yep. they are, but I think it's fucking bullshit. If, if it's income, it's taxed. Bullshit. Yeah. Anyway, that's my story. Ooh, Damn so it. A dingo did Most eight, important baby. question. Yeah. Is Meryl Streep going to make another movie? I doubt there would be follow-up. her exoneration. I doubt it. The sequel? I doubt it. But everybody go to Redbox I... and rent A Cry in the Dark. All right. Special thanks this week. Are we ready? Ready. Okay. We have a bunch of new Patreon people. Patriots. Yes. You guys are freaking amazing. Yes, you are. Seriously. Mm-hmm. What? And never in my wildest dreams did I ever think we would get a single donation. <laughs> like, I'm not We kidding. thought it would all be our own money. It's amazing. We, ha- we have enough now that we are gonna order merch. Yep, to we're getting reward there. you. Yep. We are getting there. We are going to buy merch that you can then buy. Your dollars your will pay off. Well, our patriots <laughs> get something. A little something. Yeah. April Patriots. Goals. 
Patriots who give uh, more than $10 a month will get some free surprise merch one day in the mail, which, mm-hmm. like, how great is that? Okay. Great. So, big thank you to Sarah Ray, mm-hmm. Shelby Colazy. Mm-hmm. You go, mm-hmm. girl. Yeah. <laughs> Shannon Tolifson. Yes. Um, and then two people from our high school days, Woo! which is... Pretty amazing, considering, like, even our closest friends don't listen, so. (laughs) (laughs) They get enough of our obnoxious commentary. I was just going to say, they hear our voices enough. They probably need a break. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so big thanks to fellow skippers Michelle Sanko and Julia Schmidt. Woohoo! And also, you guys, somebody is donating $25 a month. Oh, my God. Holy shit. And Ooh, that dingo pers- mom. She has to get rid of her fortune. <laughs> Money's burning a hole in her pocket. We're evil. Um, God damn it. It is, it is Melissa Carmona. You are the most, you're a saint. Last, <laughs> last uh, thing is we are going to be guests on the podcast, The Cryptid Keeper. Yes. Um, I which actually is really exciting. super love this podcast. They're brand new. Yep. They don't, Mm -hmm. they need more listeners. They need more love because they're really cute and it's a really interesting idea for a podcast. I listened to a couple episodes the other night and I was like, "Mm, you're on to something. They're really smart. Yeah. So we don't have a date, an air date for that yet, but that is in the works. So check out the Cryptid Keeper podcast in the meantime. All right. We love you all. Thank you for listening. Thank you. And it's spatter, not splatter. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you fucking forget it. The dingo later, baby. Bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kali Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Sound mixing by Dan Larson. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have wine recommendations or creepy true crime stories to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. All Wine and Crime episodes are available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play, plus a number of other podcasting apps. If we're not on your preferred app yet, let us know and we'll work to make sure you get your wine and crime fix ASAP. Most importantly, if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. It really is the best way to spread the word. Support for wine and crime comes from us. At the moment, we're footing most of the bill, but we ain't too proud to beg, so we're also on Patreon. If you'd like to support us and get a shout out on air... Visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing.